0: Good day to everybody on the network. We are glad to have you. We are broadcasting live. We are in Verrocco, Wisconsin, the Norwegian Hollow, which is where we're at, which it doesn't normally open this time of day, but they'll be open later today. You got Dan and Jay tonight from 5 to 6 uh, playing some music down here. We have got the, uh, the Bill Michaels Huddle tonight uh, down here as well, and we are here now, and hopefully uh, you're enjoying your day talking some Packers football, talking some NBA basketball after what Draymond Green did last night, and then obviously... Got a little Brewers chatter coming up uh, later on this afternoon. We're going to talk with our buddy Chuck Freeman from the Locked On Brewers podcast. We'll talk with him. Badgers get themselves a quarterback in the portal, which is uh, which is good news. And, um, <clears throat> excuse me, now the Packers back on the practice field today, a quick turnaround as they start to get ready for Tampa Bay. And I would said uh, at the top of the hour that you, you know, uh, Bill Belichick's going to get fired, and I saw, that, and, and, by the way, for those that didn't know and for those that are just joining us, there was a report out uh, that uh, going from, uh, from NBC in Boston, Tom Curran is the uh, sports, uh, sports guy over there, and he said that uh, when they came out of Germany, conversations that he had that week made it very clear that the decision was made, and they were going to play out the string, and at the end of the year, there would be a parting of the ways for a variety of reasons. You don't fire Bill Belichick during the season. That's just not going to happen. And Belichick a long time ago solidified himself. One of the best head coaches in all of football. We know that. He's chasing the record for Don Shula right now as the all-time winningest coach. But the way it is, he's uh, at least three strong seasons away. And by the time he would catch that record, if indeed he does, he'd be mid-70s. And what's the relatability at that point in time to a team? Now, the question is, if they do part ways with Bill Belichick, does he want to remain as a coach? And would he take a defensive coordinator position? Now, Andy Herman of the pack of day podcast said that he's going to make a great defensive coordinator in Green Bay. And that set off a string of, of tweets and responses and such that that uh, I guess it was a it's a dare-to-dream moment. Could you bring a guy like that, a defensive-minded guy like that in, that has been so schematically good, at taking away teams' best players, best plays, to then run your defense. Um, the mind, yes. The personality, I don't think so. And to bring in that big of a personality, that big and that that overshadowing of success as a head coach. First of all, I can't imagine Bill Belichick ever really would want to be anything but a head coach. But secondly. You would have to have really big, secure cojones to bring him in and to oversee your defense and to leave all the decision-making up to you. You know what I mean? So uh, would you like to see it happen? Absolutely. I think at that point you could probably say that whatever your dare-to-dream moment is, at least then maybe through what it is – you know, Bill Bel- Belichick defensively, schematically, could bring to your team. At least then you can maybe realize what the ceiling is for your team. If there is a ceiling for your defense, where you've put so much draft capital into it. But on the other hand, uh, there's there is a legit re- relatability factor in all of that. Um, the the personality that could or couldn't be. He would certainly come through the door and get a lot of attention right away. There's no doubt about that. But you would have to be first of all really, really, really established and strong as a head coach. And then secondly, the question, which is incredibly simple, is would Bill Belichick really wanna to, want to go back to being a defensive coordinator after being a head coach for this long a period of time? Knowing that, you know, Shula's record is is within relative grasp. You know, there's a lot of talk about him possibly going to a couple of different places, such as maybe LA with the Chargers for a team that could be almost ready made. To win and win now, uh, if he would change direction. So anyway, uh, I don't think it's ever going to happen. To be perfectly honest with you, but it is, it is kind of a dare to dream moment. The Patriots are three and ten heading into the game against Kansas City this weekend, and they currently are last again in the AFC uh, East. They've lost several bad blowouts this season. They uh, lost a thirty-eight to three game against Dallas, a thirty-four to nothing game against the Saints and they're one of two teams in the league already eliminated from the playoffs, the other one being the Carolina Panthers, who have one win on the season. So this is embarrassingly bad and embarrassingly early for the Patriots already to be looking to to next year. Um, The bright side to the losing season is that they're currently slated to receive the number two pick in the draft. And if the report comes to fruition that Robert Kraft will have somebody else calling the shots in an effort to rebuild the Patriots' dynasty – then most likely they're going to be um, probably, you know, taking themselves a quarterback, a franchise quarterback, who can then maybe turn that franchise around. But, again, it's, it goes back to a dare to dream a moment. If you are indeed, um, you know, thought that, uh, you know, that you know Bill Belichick would ever kind of humbling, humble himself and take a D.C. job, I don't think it's ever going to happen, to be honest with you. If you think that – that uh, that he's first of all going to take a defensive coordinator job. I think that's crazy. And then the other crazy part of it is, do you think that Matt Lafleur reaches out to him and says, "Hey, you'd be crazy not to" if you let go of Joe Barry, which you would assume is going to happen at the end of the season. But uh, but I just I can't imagine that ever happening. So anyway, but it is a dare to dream moment. You can you can you can close your eyes and it's kind of like when you walk in and you buy a lottery ticket. And you pretty much know you're not going to win, but you're buying your lottery ticket anyway, and you're you're daring to dream. You got a better you know shot of landing Bill Belichick than you do of winning the lottery. So at least you can dream in a little more of a a reality fashion than uh, you know say winning the five hundred dollar five hundred million dollar Powerball at this point. You know, um, we got a lot uh, a lot of stuff uh, that's happening over on the live stream. I wanted to get into this for a minute, um, and this is from Pete who said. Uh, I believe uh, strongly from Matt's comments that continually, uh, you know, addressed to the media about the defense that he actually is not the boss as far as who the defensive coordinator is. If he truly is in charge of that, uh, change it. And if the guy doesn't do it, uh, then you fire him. He doesn't have the power solely. I truly don't believe he hired him. Um, Pete, he hired him. Uh, that's one thing that I'll say because the way the discussions went this year, the way the discussion went this year has been um, the – I I don't believe that I heard Brian Gutekindst one time use the name of um, Joe Barry in the offseason. I don't think I did. He just kept talking about Matt, you know, we trust in Matt, we trust in Matt, we trust in Matt. And basically he didn't really get into Joe Barry in the defense. He talked about pressure, he talked about talent, he talked about a lot of different things. But uh, he did not talk about Joe Barry specifically. Uh, I don't think he wanted to retain Joe Barry. I think what the question became towards the end of the season was that, um, it, you know, is Joe Barry coming back? And he says, well, we believe in Matt. Matt's in charge of the coaching staff. We believe in Matt. He never really addressed Joe Barry specifically. So, no, Pete, I do not believe by any stretch of the imagination that, that uh, this was anybody's hire but Matt LaFleur's. 100%. 100%. So, I would assume at the end of the season, there is going to be a replacement at the defensive side. And as much as the defense has been near the top ten when it comes to scoring defenses – you can't ignore the fact that they give up a, a mass amount of yards, specifically on the ground. They, they have given up four games of 200-plus yards on the ground. Four games. You know, I mean, four games of 200-plus yards on the ground. You know, when you look at uh, the the, the second-half leads that they've had against Atlanta, the Raiders, the Broncos, the Steelers, the Giants, they lost all of those games. All of those five games having a lead, and it's easy to complain about the offensive struggles that the team has had. Uh, but even with so much investment, draft capital, and money, the defense just it can't take games over. I've talked about this time and again. And <coughs> excuse me, when you look at you know uh, the, the the game specifically against the Giants and how the defensive pressure just falls off. It, it's, it's mind-boggling how bad they can be at times. Um, you know, Matt LaFleur said, quote, we obviously gave up too many chunk plays. We lost our leverage twice. You cannot do that in critical situations. We were off, way off. And then he stopped, remember. He stopped talking and he said one of those throws that they can get an easy hitch like that, gain 10 yards, it was just a bad ball. Now, What he's saying is, is we can't play off the ball like that. We can't play off the receivers like that. You know, more concerning is that the approach, the mindset of the defense, you know, Joe Barry said the most important stat is the scoreboard, which is true, which, you know, it's it's a little bit of coach speak, so to speak, but, you know, the offense didn't do their part for a while. I understand that, but – You can't look at your defense and say go ahead and give up that kind of chunk yardage, specifically in in crucial situations. And against the Giants, it was evident that they were going to try to run the ball. They were going to run the ball. They were going to go with a quick passing game to avoid or at least limit the offensive line struggles that they've had, that New York has had. But the Packers, for the most part, they played the defense the way they've always played it. Deep safety, soft zone, defense line prioritizing penetration, over say gap integrity you know um, it, it was it was a solid plan when you you know want to beat the chiefs you want to go up against the Lions but when you got a team like the, the New York Giants who give up sacks almost like you know giving up air it's like what are you doing you know a, a lot of mentions of the offensive struggle and how the defense is able to put them in position to win games but the offense is tenth in a lot of metrics and not bad now they haven't scored a lot. But the, the the offense is supposed to get better. The defense should get better along with them. And they're not. And, and, and that was not complimentary football the other day. 877-867-1670. 877-867-1670. If you want to find us, please feel free. Go ahead and do so. Thomas says just basically it comes down to the final drive, and the final drive was infuriating. Um, uh, Will says, funny how the last coach won a Super Bowl and was willing to change things up. They ran him out of town. For philosophy, yet uh, the knucklehead he uh, continued to do the same thing, and then he he goes on to say, uh, "Will as as Will does, he blames it on the floor, you know, the uh, floor is a joke, and Green Bay screwed up on McCarthy." Now, the whole McCarthy thing, I, I no, I don't think so. I just think it was time. I just think it was time. It was t- it was time for Mike McCarthy to go. That's all. I don't think anything else beyond that. Let's do this. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back. And when we do, I want to flip over to some basketball. I want to talk to Jim Ozarski from the Journal Sentinel. He makes his weekly visit with us. Uh, obviously, you know, we'll talk some Bucks basketball. But we got to talk some NBA, too, because of what happened last night with Draymond Green and the wild flailing elbow that was. And you would assume the suspension is about to, to come down hard and heavy. So I want to get – then we'll get back into talking some football as well. we got a lot going on today. So stay tuned. We are broadcasting live. We're out here at the Norwegian Hollow. We're in – Viroqua, Wisconsin, great to be here again. Great to see so many faces last night, today as well. Always a great time to uh, to, to, to hang out and, and just to enjoy ourselves out here. Don't forget this neck of the woods, as a matter of fact, our friend Craig Every and the gang from Every Plumbing and Heating serving La Crosse and Trempolo, Monroe, Vernon Counties, Jackson County, all over the place. Uh, they were originally founded by the Korean War veteran Clayton Every uh, years and years ago, their third generation but in addition to that, they can do not just plumbing and heating, but they can, say, put in a water heater. They can do your water softening system. They can put in, uh, you know, floor heat for you. They can put a garage heater in. Plus, do all the maintenance and check and such on your heaters, your furnace, your boilers, all that stuff. And this is the time of the year that you don't want to have it break down. I'll tell you that right now. Even though we're going to be warmer this weekend, we know the cold weather's coming. So get a hold of our great friends, great friends over there at every plumbing and heating Call them today, 608 783 2803. 608 783 2803. Out here in La Crosse, in that La Crosse area, Monroe, Vernon, Jackson County area, all over. Every plumbing and heating, 608 783 2803. Ready? This is The Bill Michaels Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
1: Ho, 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 I need
0: a window.
1: Maybe it's cold outside.
0: So where do I go, ho, ho? Come
1: on, Santa, go to Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Now is the time to replace your leaky windows and doors. You and Mrs. Claus can get your new windows while putting no money down, no payments, and no interest for up to 18 months. Unwrap this gift now, but pay for it later. More
0: jingle that stays in my
1: pocket. That's right, Santa. Plus, our elves install year-round and in as little as one day. Pella offers lines in luxurious wood to fiberglass and vinyl. Why
0: not make a New Year's resolution today?
1: That's the spirit, Santa.
0: Pella, now
1: Pay later. Oh. Absolutely. Put no money down, no payments, and no interest for up to 18 months. But you have to hurry. Offer ends December 31st. Schedule your free consultation today at PellaWI.com.
2: Certain restrictions apply. See showroom for details. Offer ends 12 2023.
0: It is that time of year. If um, you're thinking. About getting the ring or an engagement ring, anniversary ring, wedding ring, ear ring, doesn't matter. Check out our friends at Kane and Kane Jewelers. Kane and Kane Jewelers, they want to rock your world. They're in West Bend, Wisconsin. It is worth the drive to West Bend, Wisconsin. And Andy and his staff, they're great people out there. They really, truly are. Go to Kane, K-O-E-H-N, Jewelry.com. That is Kane Jewelry. Dot com. Again, canejewelry.com. And they're just really good people out there. They'd be glad to help you out. Again, Cane and Cane Jewelers in West Bend, especially this time of year. Especially this time of year. Um, 877-867-1670. If you want to give us a shout, uh, give give us, uh, give us a call. You can. Uh, Jim Ozarski of the Journal Sentinel. Got to touch base with him. And uh, anyway, long story short, uh, you've got to – Big news regarding the NBA, and that is our friends over there at. Uh, um, when it comes to uh, the uh, you know Draymond Green incident. And then, obviously, you've got to the Milwaukee Bucks and uh, the loss. We have not talked to Jim since they lost out in Vegas. And uh, so we're waiting on Jim uh, to join us because Jim has got shoot-around right now for the
2: Milwaukee Bucks who play today. Correct me if I'm wrong. That's We're waiting on Jim still, Grant? Yeah, Jim has shoot-around. It got pushed back a little bit, so I told him – you know, after Mark Schofield in the 12 o'clock hour or something later on okay. the show. We'll, we'll get him on. Okay. Just making sure. But uh, we we do want to get to that
0: because, uh, obviously, the big news of the day. Uh, if you were watching last night, uh, you know, via the NBA, the last night, Draymond Green, he's just kind of sitting around waiting to see what's going to happen to him. As he was ejected from last night's game against the Phoenix Suns and Yusuf Nurkic. Nurkic? Nurkic. Yusuf Nurkic. Hard yeah, I Just want to make sure. Yeah. And uh, he ended up. Uh, he, it was a flagrant two, but you know, it, it's like first of all, it's his third ejection of the season, and it was an elbow that he just flung towards Nurkic's head, and t- took him to the ground. I, I don't. Did he hit him square in the nose? Did he have a nosebleed? Was I? Because he didn't look all that bruised or beat up uh, during the postgame press conference.
2: But he hit him in the nose, right? I hit him think. Right square in the face? I think he got fist to cheekbone and then probably on the follow through got some of the nose. He clocked him right in the side of the face.
0: Yeah. It just, it, man. Uh, and, you know, him and Nurkic, they were going at it pretty much all game. Not, not physical like that. But he hit him in the head with his hand, uh, fist, elbow, you know, and they took a look at it, you know, video review, and they said, uh, Flagrant 2. He tried to – you know, he being Draymond Green tried to apologize. He said, I do apologize to Youssef because I didn't intend to hit him. I sell calls with my arms. So I was selling the call, and I swung, and unfortunately I hit him. Nobody in their right mind believes that because he is – Draymond Green has a trigger. It just goes off, and it goes off unexpectedly, and it goes off without care or concern. And, again, his third ejection, tied for the most in a season. Um, and you got to assume that there's going to be a factor in this because, yeah, if you hit a guy or slap a guy or elbow a guy in the face, there, there can be a suspension. But there has to be a Draymond Green multiplier here. And Steve Kerr, their coach, you know, on one hand you get it because he said we need him. We need Draymond. You know, and I understand that. I mean, look, they got a losing record without him. He's an incredible player. But he's also a complete liability. He's a nut job because you know suspensions are coming. You know he's going to fly off the handle. You don't know when, he whether it's doing it in the NBA Finals, which he's done and he's hurt his team, or now or in practice when he went after Jordan Poole and punched him in the face. Um you know, like Steve Kerr said, well, we've talked to him. He's got to find a way to keep his poise and be out there for his teammates. Yada, yada, yada. You know what it's got to take? It's got to take his teammates stepping up and going, we're done. We're done. You can't do this anymore. You can't do this stuff. So the next time you do this, you know, because Draymond has said, I got to be me. In other words, I got to be allowed to play the way I want to play and do what I want to do, and I shouldn't have repercussion from my own organization. But, you know – you're going to lose with him as easy or without him as easy as you do with him. You know, now if he if he takes the suspension, sticks around, he minds his P's and Q's and, and helps them get climb back into this thing and possibly win a championship on their last run, that's one thing. Otherwise, all he's doing is sabotaging their season. But for what he did last night, and then you go back to the Rudy Gobert choke, there's no way he should be on a court for at least 10 to 15 games. Well, 20, the N- really, The NBA
2: has shown us, Bill, in in multiple instances the last few years, they take prior behavior into account. So if you are someone that's thrown a lot of punches and done a lot of these things before, they will make your punishment harsher, right? Like uh, uh, you right. clock someone across the face. It happens right. every once in a while. But if Draymond does it, the NBA will make the punishment longer because it's Draymond. They, they've set that precedent before. Right. No, I completely agree. And they should. They really should.
0: So, we'll talk with Jim Ozarski coming up here in a little bit as, uh, you know, in the next hour as Jim had to wait shoot around. So, I want to get into it. I promise you I do. But uh, we're going to talk to Jim about this as well. In the meantime, in the meantime, we were talking about Joe Barry. And there's ESPN, they were doing, I think it was NFL Live, and I talked about Dan Orlovsky and what he had to say, and uh, Mina Kimes, she then as one of their uh, you know NFL you know reporters talked about Joe Berry the Packers defense what they didn't do in the game on Monday night it's be it's not just becoming obvious to those who have witnessed it time and again as a green bay packer fan it is becoming obvious to those now around football that cover football that watch the green bay packers you know even casually it's now becoming evident that there is a concept here that simply is not working, and people cannot understand. This is Mina Kimes and Dominic Fo- Foxworth, both uh, talking about this Packers defense and what they saw on Monday night. Take a listen.
3: I am so sick, <laughs> yes. of watching this Packers defense do the same. St- it's been years, yeah, years. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. I just, I, I don't. And it's, it's, it's not just been Joe Barry. It preceded Joe Barry, but oh my yep. God, Joe, the Joe Barry, like. I, the two things—I mean, I could single out a number of things that drive me crazy watching this defense that have been driving me crazy forever. I understand being taken back a little bit by the first time Tommy DeVito runs zone read. How are you still being fooled by that or not accounting for it deep into the football game? It was—it was like, um, it was like when teams used to play Daniel Jones, rah, 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 same quarterback. Like, what are you doing? You know he's going to keep it on some of these. It was mind blowing, and then that final drive knowing like just the situational football, you you know, that all they have to do is get into field goal territory, still giving them these cushions. It's Tommy DeVito. What are you doing? And like the, the Robinson throw was a good throw. And like, that's fine. You made him beat you make him beat you. But like, oh my God, leading up to that. Dominique, like, I don't understand why we, the Packers, like this is their identity, which is crazy.
4: I almost feel silly talking about this game in isolation because this is them every year for the past five years is I look at their roster. I'm like, Ooh, woo. <laughs> and then I go and look at how they perform and I'm like, mm, mm. and it's like, this was week to week, the last few weeks, they've been getting pressure and it's been making the whole defense look better. They haven't had a Alexander out there. Um, which, hurts them but also like the defense has been good and they weren't terrible in this game but I guess they were pretty bad considering the opponents like when you are getting ready for this game who are you supposed to be concerned about like it's not like they have a dominant O-line they may I was gonna say you
3: should be sacking Tommy DeVito he was was... I think his numbers when he had like over two and a half seconds were extremely good yes I mean it's
4: just I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me. They're not a team that is good enough to be having letdown games. I just don't know. I can't explain it. I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense. It's just something that happens with this team all the time.
0: There you go. That is a discussion that they are uh, obviously um, seeing the same things that we have seen regarding Joe Barry for a while now, for a while now. So it's, you know, it, it's not getting any better. And I would assume at uh, the end of the season one, because there is no kind con- there was the other question. I don't think Joe Barry has a contract at the end of the season. You got to assume they're going to make a change, but frustration starting to boil over, not only locally, but now nationally. Stick around. We've got a whole lot more of the Bill Michael show coming up right after. This is the Bill Michael show on the Wisconsin
2: sports zone radio network.
0: In the heart of downtown Milwaukee, There's an all-new Pottawatomie Casino Hotel, where there's a table waiting for you at 12 bars and restaurants, a winning seat at 40 table games or 3,000 slot machines, plus the thrill of bingo, full-service sports betting, and more. Are you ready to spark something new? Light up your senses at Pottawatomie
2: Casino Hotel. Explore more at PaysBig.com.
0: Welcome back to the program. Good to have you. The Bill Michaels Show. Live out here. Norwegian Hollow. Barocco, Wisconsin. Always good to come back. Always good. This portion of the program brought to you by our friends at Boondocks Barbecue Burgers and Brews. Now at Boondocks, coming up on New Year's Eve, the Packers are going to be playing. We all know that, right? Well, that being said, we are going to be uh, out there as well. On New Year's Eve, and uh, we're going to bring you the uh, the game. I uh, believes uh, begins at about seven twenty, if I'm not mistaken. It's game night. We're going to go out with a uh, a watch party. We're going to have some specialty drinks, and they've got music. We're going to be doing uh, the verdict is going to be out there music wise, and then we got the green and gold post game show taking place. So all kinds of good stuff. Boondocks Barbecue Burgers and Brews on Stonebank Road, and I don't know, I don't know if they've got if they're selling tickets. Um, I know the music starts at uh, – yeah, they are selling – you can reserve a spot. You can reserve a spot. But come on out and join us. Boondocks Barbecue Burgers and Brews, you can re- reserve your spot now if you want to get out there for New Year's Eve. Check out the Packers. Music starts at 8.30 with the verdict. We do our postgame show live from there. And hopefully by midnight we're all happy. So there you have it. So that's all coming up uh, on New Year's Eve this year as we're going to do the watch party out there. Looking forward to it. Uh, let's get back to the phone calls. Let's go to Tim listening to us in Arizona. Tim, welcome to the program, man. What's going on?
5: Hey, Bill, this is Tim, 64-year Packer diehard fan. I want you to rest your pipes. You sound a little raspy, so and let's <laughs> see, uh, get my points in here, okay? Okay. Um, this morning, I was listening to Maggie and Perloff, and the first segment dealt with, there was a report that will be coming out that Bill Belichick at the end of the season is going to be let go by the Patriots. Mm -hmm. The, the subject was who would be, what team would be a good fit for him? So as soon as I heard that I dialed in, I was the first caller this morning and I mentioned to them, I would like to see Belichick get over here so that one, he could teach somebody on this club, how to play defense and tackle and get a good, get his staff in so they could get a good quarterback's coach and offensive coordinator to help, Jordan Love, because I'm still not sold on him like you. I said, isn't, so isn't he 27 or 28 victories away from being the all-time winningest NFL coach? What better way to celebrate something like that? He could probably reach that in at least two, two and a half, maybe three years. That would be nice. Then he could go out, you know, wherever he wants to after he's retired. Also, um, uh, when they said to me, well, don't you think he'll be a little old for the Packers? I said, wait a minute. George Hallis was talking, uh, was coaching, uh, in his uh, early to mid-80s before he retired. And so I brought that up to them. So if you heard anything more, uh, this is what I heard this morning. And one other thing, with Matt LaFleur, I, I got that feeling, Bill, that he's losing, losing the team. It's just the idea that he's getting too conservative. He needs to open up that playbook a little bit more. That defense is just putrid. After what I saw uh, on Monday's thing, you're only as good as your last game, and that, that game was horrible. I agree with you 100%. One of these days, i got you on my bucket list. I, I hope to meet you up close and personal and shake hands, and maybe we'll talk a little Packers over a few brewskis, okay?
0: Okay. That would be great. I'd appreciate it. Good, good call. Thanks so much. Um, no, I, I, uh, two things here. When you talk about Matt LaFleur, I don't think Matt LaFleur is going anywhere. And when you talk about him losing the team – The only way that he would lose the team is if guys are really frustrated in that locker room, defensively speaking. Offensively, I don't think he loses the team. Defensively, if you're going to allow the ineptitude of Joe Barry to persist without saying anything about it and guys are becoming frustrated, then offensive players will say, what are we running out there? And defensive players are going to say, why are we we doing this? And then you can lose the team. But I don't think he's lost the team. I think if anything – um, he'll probably try to wrap his arms back around it again this week. He was clearly not happy, clearly not happy, and I, I still believe that, um, he is probably going to, at some point in time, there's going to be either a meeting or a closed door meeting or something, regarding philosophically speaking, uh, what the defense is doing. I think you have to. I think you owe it to your guys, because you lost a game. Now, granted, your offense had three turnovers or I take that back, two turnovers and your, your special teams didn't play well either. But when you had a chance to make a statement, you couldn't do it. And you did it in an ugly fashion that people have now come out and heavily criticized you for. And you couldn't, you couldn't sack a quarterback that had been sacked 16 times in the previous two weeks. So you, you got a question as to why, you know, the obstinance of Joe Barry reigned supreme over a team as they watched, you know, a lead get frittered away. And, and a loss, basically, because
2: of it. I think Packers fans, and I said this a lot on, on my show last night, Bill, we always want to think that, oh, they were they were feeling themselves too much, or reading the press clippings, or they had a bad week of practice. There's also a possibility that they had a great week of practice, and they were focused, and then they just got to New York on Monday night, and they made mistakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's a 60-minute no, game. It also, they just got outplayed and made mistakes. That's possible, too. We don't know.
0: Yeah, I had, um, I, I interviewed David Bakhtiari some time ago. And this was a couple of years back, and I was asking him about, you know, pregame and weeks of practice, and he said, you know, it's funny. There's Sometimes they'll have a great week of practice, and they'll come out and play terrible. They'll have a great week of practice, a great warm-up, and they'll play terrible. They'll come out and have a bad week of practice, bad warm-up, and play great. There's no rhyme or reason to it. Sometimes it's just a feeling. But, you know, on one hand, you can say they didn't play well in all phases. I mean, Jordan Love was off. Keyshawn Nixon had a terrible game. Special teams were off. You know, you can say that. But the scheme of playing soft was that's, you know, I've always said the the head coach's job is to put guys in position to be successful. What you do with it after that, that's up to you. You can't blame a coach for that. But I don't think Joe Barry put them in the best position to be successful. So that's something you can point to. Matt LaFleur and the play calling at certain times in that game, that's something you can point to. And that I can agree with. But, you know, guys having an off night. Jordan Love had an off night until the fourth quarter. Then he turned it on, and when they needed it the most, he ended up putting the ball in the end zone. So you do have to give him some credit for that. Now, I was sitting here talking a little while ago to a few people that were here, and they said they're still not sold on Love. He's had two really good games, two okay games, and then like six or seven sub-mediocre games. And, And that's why the jury is still out there. But in the bigger moments, he has shown that he has the ability to lead and really kind of th- – he doesn't flinch. He's thrown the team on his back against the Saints, against you know bringing them back against the Giants, even though ultimately they lost the game. So, you know, I understand players can have bad days, but I don't think that – you know, do you really believe the coaching staff had them in position and did everything to do, that they could do to put them in a position to
2: be successful? I think Matt LaFleur – by and large, yeah. Like There were guys open. Yeah. Jordan Love was missing him. Right. Um, yep. we got to remember, he doesn't have a number one running back right now, too, so I, I don't really hold the Jaden Reed jet sweep thing against him. I get why people got annoyed towards the end of the game. I would rather have that than Jordan Love dropping back 55 times. Um, I don't necessarily feel that way about Joe Barry, but it's not like he prevented his guys from making plays. His pass rushers didn't show up. No, I agree with that. But I think also he didn't do –
0: it was it – was, if he just watched the front – Watch the defensive front. It was just a basic four-man rush, nothing fancy, no stunning, no blitzing, no gap integrity. Just, you know, just see if you can go mono and mono and get to the quarterback. And there was was nothing there that was creative. And and like I said, I have not sat down and watched the All-22 yet, and I've got to do that. And and maybe I'll do that a little bit this afternoon. But there just wasn't much. And in all the highlights, when I did watch to see – you know, scoring plays and chunk plays, and there it's it's just two linebackers, four-man front. You know, outside backers crashing the edge. You know, Kenny Clark and Devontae Wyatt coming up the gut. There, there was, but there was nothing there that made you go, "Wow, look at what they're doing to create." you know, to create a space or a gap or to get to the quarterback. Now, DeVito did get rid of the ball pretty quick. They were making sure that he got rid of the ball within two and a half seconds, sometimes three. But there was really not a ton of pressure other than the two that Rashawn Gary put on him when he chased him out of the pocket off to the right-hand side. Other than that, there wasn't. There was nothing there. So I understand where, you know, guys like Dan Orlovsky and Mina Kimes and some of the people on Good Morning Football and Steve Mariucci and and the people that I've seen break some of these things down – I understand what they're saying is that you know you, you know if you're not getting there man to man, you got to do something. You got to stunt around the inside or bring a linebacker or drop drop the outside backer and bring the linebacker up the middle. Something different to give them a different look, and they didn't. And they allowed the offensive line and the tight ends of the Giants to get into a rhythm because they knew what was coming. They knew there wasn't anything special coming, and that's probably where the biggest criticism comes from uh, again we are broadcasting live out here at the Norwegian Hollow we're in Viroqua come on by six to eight tonight the Bill Michaels huddle is going to be live out here you got some music out here five to six tonight so come on by and say hi a lot more coming up stay tuned more of the Bill Michaels show right after covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket this is the Bill Michaels show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone radio network all oh. Ho, 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 I need a window.
1: Maybe it's cold outside.
0: So where do I go, ho, ho? Come
1: on, Santa, go to Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Now is the time to replace your leaky windows and doors. You and Mrs. Claus can get your new windows while putting no money down, no payments, and no interest for up to 18 months. Unwrap this gift now, but pay for it later.
0: More jingle that stays in my pocket.
1: That's right, Santa. Plus, our elves install year-round and in as little as one day. Pella offers lines in luxurious wood to fiberglass and vinyl.
0: Why not make a New Year's resolution today?
1: That's the spirit, Santa. Pella, no. Pay later. Absolutely. Put no money down, no payments, and no interest for up to 18 months. But you have to hurry. Offer ends December 31st. Schedule your free consultation today at Palawi.com.
2: Certain restrictions apply to showroom for details offered.
0: Good to have you back. The Bill Michaels Show. We are live. We're in Morocco, Wisconsin. Coming up after the top of the hour, Mark Scofield, SB Nation, is going to be joining us. And also, Jim Ozarski is going to be here at the bottom of the next hour. Our buddy Chuck Freeman is going to join us in the final hour of the program. We're going to talk with him about this Brewers team. So, we got uh, some uh, NFL that we're going to take a look around. And uh, then uh, some Bucks basketball and NBA basketball with Jim Ozarski. And then... Our buddy Chuck Freeman will be here. So we got a lot going on coming up over the next couple of hours of the show. And and I'm really interested to talk to Mark because there's so much to talk about right now in the NFL that looms large in many different ways. Uh, The first one being, obviously, the fact that, you know, the Packers stumbled against the Giants. And now, you know, as the question I put on today's program, will the real Green Bay Packers please stand up? They played pretty good against Pittsburgh, but they lost the game. They come back home and they knock off the Chargers. But the Chargers – Played some bad football. They had a couple of key drops that could have actually allowed them to win that game. But you take it and you move on. You know, you get gifted a package every now and then. They come out, they play extremely well against the Lions, extremely well against the Chiefs. And then, you know, after that, they come and lay the egg on Monday night. Now they got to regroup and try to figure it out against Tampa Bay coming into Lambeau Field, which is a very evenly matched, when you look at statistics, even two evenly matched teams coming into this contest. And you, you know, you take into account the season as a whole. A really good game against Chicago, and then after that, things began to kind of go in a bad direction. And then all of a sudden, Pittsburgh happens, and things got in a good direction. Even though they lost the game, things started to look better. So we started to gain that, you know, head of steam, that momentum, if you will, in regards to enthusiasm. Only to watch it revert back to what it was prior to that Pittsburgh game. Going back to uh, going back to Monday night. So plenty of different facets for this team to kind of take a look at but will the real green bay packers please stand up and will the real, real belief in the green bay packers as to what your thoughts are um please stand up because you know and this is from uh, this is from debbie debbie says uh, hey guys uh i don't think the packers are who we thought they were this is a team that got good at the right time and they played up to the level of the competition but they played down to them on Monday night." Too many mistakes, too many errors. The same old, same old for the Packers. As far as Joe Barry goes, I've been pulling my hair out over him for the last few years. I couldn't believe they hired him. And he's never had anything higher than 20th uh, as the Packers defensive coordinator. Why do they hang on to this guy like grim death? And that is from Debbie. Debbie, uh, I I understand um, why Matt LaFleur hung on to him. Matt LaFleur hung on to him because he – Wanted con- continuity. That was it. He wanted continuity. And I understand that. But if you're not good, all you're doing is continuing continuity for ineptitude, I guess. You know? I, I, there, there's nothing special about this defense right now. and And, you know, it's kind of taken over the spotlight. I mean, up until this past week, it's been playing okay. Um, but I said, you know, going way back to the game against New Orleans, that, you know, a come-from-behind win can be the deodorant for a lot of bad. And we've seen a lot of bad. And specifically against the run. This team, four games now this season. I mentioned that earlier. Four games earlier this season when this team has has given up more than 200 yards rushing. Four times this year. I It's it just, you know... That's that's unbelievable. And, you know, and they lead the NFL, by the way. It's not by a little. I think the next uh, team has two games that they've given up more than, than 200 yards rushing. So, this team has not been good against the run. They haven't been good against the run for a long time now. And they don't show any signs of really fixing that. And Joe Barry believes that it's more all about score. And it is. It's all about scoreboard. But you can't keep your defense – you know, one frustrated and two down like that, because you can't keep pl- uh, playing with fire. You're going to get you're going to get burned more often than not. So anyway, the uh, the argument is that uh, at this point in time, you know, you play out the rest of the season, then you make the change, and then you kind of figure out what direction you're going to go. Because, uh, you know, whoever else you bring in, and whether it was Mike Petton before him, and Bob Sloick, and and Dom Capers, and you go to all these different guys that have had different, you know, turns trying to run the defense and trying to help the defense out, go back over time, it's been kind of the same old, same old. First of all, you have to have the players. And if you believe the players are there, then you got to believe that it's the scheme and it's the defensive coordinator. But if you bring in another coordinator and it's same old, same old, uh, then you got to take a look at the players, don't you? You probably would have to look at the talent that's on the field. Now, this team, for the most part, though, has not been healthy. Their defense has been banged up pretty much all season long. Going back to the beginning, they didn't have Stokes. Stokes was not a guy that uh, was ready to play because of the ankle injury he suffered last year. So Stokes was not there to be utilized. So you couldn't use him. So he's another one of your first-round draft choices that has not found his way onto the field. You've you you know you've had Rudy Ford that's been down at times. We know that. Um, go back to um, – who else am I thinking of? Uh, you get rid of Rasul Douglas. He's now gone. I mean, if you would have known at the beginning of the year that you've been starting guys like Carrington Valentine and Corey Ballantine, you know, that those guys would play intricate roles in your defense, you'd, you'd be wondering how good the defense actually is. I understand that. And no Jair on the field. So, <coughs> excuse me, no Rudy Ford, no Jair. Rasul's gone. Your starting defensive backfield has been pretty much sidelined. Or no longer with the team. So you give it a little bit of a break, but you still got Kenny Clark. You still got Devontae Wyatt. You still got Rashawn Gary. Quay Walker's been in and out because he's been banged up. So I understand that. That's another one of your first-round draft choices. Lucas Van Ness, first-round draft choice. Darnell Savage, first-round draft choice. And for whatever reason, he pulled himself out of the game, smashes his helmet, couldn't go back in because his helmet needed to be repaired, and then finally did get big, did get, uh, get back into the game the other night. But he's been in and out. Then there's Jair, another first-round draft. So you see what I'm saying is that you talk about the equity they put into this thing, whether it's Carl Brooks or Colby Wooden, um, you know, uh, the guys that have been drafted, you know, T.J. Slate in fifth-round draft choice for this team. But then they fortify it with a guy like Keyshawn Nixon who came from the Raiders, uh, Jonathan Owens who came from Houston, They've you know, some street-free agents, uh, Robert Rochelle who they picked up from Carolina, You know, uh, who's the other guy? Uh, Zane Anderson, uh, he was with Buffalo. Uh, David Long Jr., who's back there now uh, from Carolina. They fortified it, but the guys that they were counting on, either one, haven't played well, two, haven't been available. So I want to see this group together with a different set of eyes looking at them to see how good they can be and how high their ceiling truly can be. 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. When we come back, we'll look around the rest of the NFL. Our buddy Mark Scopio of SP Nation is going to be joining us. Stay right where you're at. More on the Bill Michael Show live in Viroqua coming up right after this.